Previously on a very serious podcast. An aircraft was shot down over the Pacific and there are no adult survivors. So the boys scramble to survive and as they do this, their veneer of civilization is quickly stripped away and mayhem ensues. Jack is obsessed with, well, killing something, I think. If, if, if Ralph was a natural leader, Jack is a natural killer. Golding's thesis is that when the constraints and limitations and laws of civil society have broken down or are not being enforced, what happens is a rise of lawlessness, violence, tribalism. Welcome to Splanknicks, the Society for the Preservation of Literature, the Arts, Numinosity, Culture, Humor, <laughs> Nerdiness, Inspiration, Creativity, and Storytelling. Should we talk about Simon? Let's a talk about bit? Simon. Absolutely, let's talk about I Simon. I like because Simon. Simon is. He's he's different from the other boys. He's a bit of a loner. He's 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 kind in his way. He helps build the shelters when um he's out in the woods and little the little ones are trying to get fruit from the trees. He like picks the fruit that's higher up and gives it to them. I he's just a decent person, but also he has no interest in all of the the f- factions and the tribes and the infighting or anything like he's he's more focused on on peace really he's when i was reading this book and i just and mm-hmm. i saw his little scene where he just goes off into the jungle mm-hmm. and he finds this little space mm-hmm. it's kind of in among some some hedgerows or some thickets mm-hmm. and he goes in there and it's almost like a little enclosed yeah, like area. a bower. Yeah, and I thought Simon is a mystic. Mm-hmm. In fact, the first thing that he does when we see him is he swoons and faints. Yeah, he's not rough and tumble like the other kids. He's very much in his head and and also in yeah. his heart. So yeah. that little area that he found, mm-hmm. I was like, it's almost like a little monastic retreat. Yeah, it's like a little sanctuary. And there's a meadow that that he can see with with butterflies and flowers in it, and mm-hmm. he goes there. Mm-hmm. To get, like you were saying, get away from all this factionalism and all of this, yeah. this, this garbage going on. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. If I was on this island, that's what I'd probably do too. Is just go and find somewhere to be and just not bother with all this. Yeah. All this crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just he... wait it out. Yeah. Simon is is an amazing character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's the one who has the in- encounter with the Lord of the Flies, which yeah, we'll get to we'll that get to. Yeah. yeah. So, what happens after this? Uh, let's see, this little spat after the the disastrous assembly that that Ralph calls in this in this scene. Mm-hmm. Ralph thinks about giving up being chief, and Piggy and Simon both say no, keep being chief mm-hmm. because. If you stop being chief, that would leave Jack in charge. Yeah. It would be all hunting and no fire. We'd be here till we died. And there's, the scene concludes, this is so remarkable. There's this little boy, his name is Percival. Oh, Percival, yeah. Aww. And earlier, Percival he, Weems something. Yeah, Percival Weems Madison of, uh, you know, St. Anthony Lane, Harcourt, telephone, um, telephone. 
He tried to recite his name and address and telephone number like he had been taught. Mm-hmm. That if he ever got lost, this is what he did. Says his name, where he lives, where his telephone number is so that he can be returned to his parents. Right. But that, he, he that, tried to do it, but he had forgotten his phone number by then. Yeah. And this, and this line, and by the end of this meeting, everyone has gone off, and Ralph and Piggy are like, what are we going to do? Percival just starts to wail mm-hmm. with tears. And, and it says, Percival was living through circumstances in which the incantation of his address was powerless to help him. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, that is because... We only have remnants of civilized society by now, and mm-hmm. they're not helping. They don't help anymore. We're mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Civil society has broken down. There's a foreshadowing of some of the real violence that's coming. Remember, they, they, the Jack and his crew have taken to doing this sort of ritual dance. Where they jump around, and they run around, and they have this chant where they say, they say, kill the beast, cut kill. his throat. Spill his blood. But yeah, so they do this. And they have this little reenactment of the hunt, kind of like this tribal reenactment of the hunt. Yeah. And Robert mm-hmm. is the stand-in for the pig in this one particular instance. They've done yeah. this several times, but it's never gotten this far. They hurt him. Robert is like, ow, you're hurting me. And they pick him up, and they're punching him for real, and they're actually hurting him. And that is a foreshadowing of what's coming. And later on, Ralph and Jack and Roger catch a glimpse of the, be- of the beast mm-hmm. up on the fire platform. Right. So then we have we have chapter eight, complete mutiny. Jack splits from the from the group and he goes off. We're gonna go hunt, we're gonna have a feast, and anyone yeah. who wants to join us can join us. If anyone wants to come and have fun. So basically everybody goes, um, except that we got Ralph, Piggy, and the twins. Who mm-hmm. the twins are funny because <laughs> their names are Sam uh-huh. and Eric. And they're always referred to as one thing because, like, twins, they act as a unit. Yeah. So they're called Sam and Eric. Sam and Eric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because no, you know, nobody can tell them apart. They just call them Sam and Eric. We have a scene where Simon detaches himself from the mayhem mm-hmm. and he goes to his secret hideaway where his sacred grove is and then he witnesses something yeah pretty uh yeah pretty horrific jack and his tribe go hunting they drive a sow into simon's grove they're throwing spears at her and chasing her and all of her piglets scattered everywhere the fact that the fact that she has little pigs doesn't matter like all those pigs are going to starve now cuz they, yep. they yeah you know like destroying families mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it's just a family of pigs so they 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 kill her this sow really violently they sharpen a stick at both ends and um then they set up this sort of sacrifice to the beast they cut off her head and put it on a stick and put the stick in the ground and leave the head there and then and this occurs yeah like right in, outside in simon's sacred grove mm-hmm. and it's like a sacrilege has occurred and then he goes up to the pig's head, and then he has what we might call a sort of mystical experience, where it seems like the pig head is talking to him. The pig answers, Fancy thinking the beast was something you could hunt and kill. You knew, didn't you? I'm part of you. <laughs> that really creeped me out. That is, that is like, creepy. And let's, it's worth mentioning that Lord of the Flies mm-hmm. is a rough translation, possibly, of the, the Hebrew phrase, Beelzebub, which mm-hmm. in English is sometimes pronounced Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. It just means it means the devil, literally. Mm-hmm. The pig says, I am the reason mm-hmm. that everything is going wrong. Listen to this description. of I, I read this essay um, in, in, at the end of the edition of Lord of Flies, the killing of the pig and the cutting off of the head. The entire incident forms a horrid parody of an Oedipal wedding night. These emotions, 
the sensations aroused by murder and death and the overpowering and unaccustomed emotions experienced by the half-grown boys, plus their own irrational fears and blind terrors, release the forces of death and the devil on the island. Simon talks to the Lord of the Flies, and then he has some sort of fit, like maybe he has epilepsy or something. I think that's what yeah. people seem to think that Golding is, is after, like he's got maybe a constitutional, physical weakness, or perhaps epilepsy. He decides he wants to learn the truth about the beast, so he goes up to the fire platform where they had seen the beast before, and he sees that it's this this dead parachutist tangled up in the, the trees and the vines, and the wind has been like pulling the parachute, which pulls the man, so he kind of moves like a puppet which is totally creepy. So Simon goes and he untangles the cables so the parachute can carry the guy off. And then he heads down to the beach to tell the others that the beast isn't really a beast, it's just dead dude. By the time he gets there, he's so exhausted, he can only crawl. He goes to the camp where the kids are, um, the other boys are doing their ritual dance, reenacting a pig hunt. And then they see Simon crawl out of the forest and they mistake him for the beast and they surround him and stab and beat him to death. And they like leave him in the surf and then the waves come in and then the waves go out and Simon is gone. It's horrid. Yeah. That's absolutely horrid. And uh, we, we didn't talk too much about uh, the structure of this book mm-hmm. yet, like the act one, act two and all this, but that very clearly, that moment, that is the end of act two. Uh, the veneer of civilization has been completely stripped away. Mm-hmm. These boys have murdered somebody in cold blood, murdered the mystic, the only person who was courageous enough mm-hmm. to actually find out the actual truth about this beast. Mm-hmm. He gets a revelation, on a, a revelation of truth on the mountain that is mm-hmm. so biblical mm-hmm. in the Bible all the time. Anyone, anytime anyone ever goes up to a mountain, yeah, they're going to get truth or have an encounter with God. Yeah. Okay, he comes down the mountain mm-hmm. to, to impart that truth to his to his comrades, his fellow yeah. human beings, and they kill him. If he had been able to tell them, people, like, things might have changed, you know? Right. Because fear of the beast was the thing that sort of started this whole tribalism thing. He tried so, to. You can hear, he says, it's, it's not a beast, it's a man on the hill, but they're, yeah, they're, they're out of their minds they, with this frenzy. Yeah, they don't care. I, don't, I think at that point, they want there to be a beast. After that... Jack has taken over as the the chief of this pagan society where it's like blood sacrifice and all this stuff encamped on this sort of what is it a, a they, they found they found this sort of rock formation on the island that's mm-hmm. kind of sheltered and a little bit difficult to get to oh right yeah and there are some of those rocks up there that they can set up as sort of booby traps basically there's sort of an encounter where Ralph and Piggy and the twins go up to Basically, they this, want... this is after this is after uh, Jack and his boys have raided Ralph and Piggy's encampment mm-hmm. uh, and stolen Piggy's glasses. Yeah. So now Piggy is completely blind, mm-hmm. and they have no way of making a fire. So this is essential that they go get uh, Piggy's glasses back. And it's interesting the conversation they have before mm-hmm. they go up there. The twins mm-hmm. are encouraging Ralph. We should we should paint our faces. Mm-hmm. But Ralph is like no. We're not doing that. We're not savages. Mm-hmm. Because Jack and his other boys have been painting their faces with mud and just different mm-hmm. pigmented you know, charcoal, different things they find. The mask that they create for themselves 
mm-hmm. gives them the liberation into savagery. Anonymity, kind of. Yeah. Like, it, like at a masquerade ball. It takes away, you know, their inhibitions, and they, and they feel f- more free. There was a thing I just wanted to, to just briefly, um, before Jack went off, mm-hmm. remember what he said? It's time some people knew they've got to keep quiet and leave deciding things to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Some animals are more equal than others, kind of. That is that is Jack's mindset. So they're mm-hmm. they're there and they debate them a little bit, but it goes to chaos. It goes to chaos. Uh, eventually, Jack and Ralph finally come to blows, and they're fighting each other with their spears. Mm-hmm. And then one of the most horrible uh, things in the in the story happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, you we want have, me to talk about the other horrible thing? We have okay. Roger. <laughs> we have Roger, the natural sadist, finally has his moment. Roger releases the boulder. And it rolls down the hill. It knocks Piggy off the rock bridge into the sea 40 feet below, killing him. He lands on this rock in the sea, his yep. head cracked open, all sorts of stuff leaking out of it. And then the surf comes in and takes him away. And Piggy's also, going. yeah, the conch which Piggy was holding is shattered. And now yeah. he just, they just, and then they just set upon him, mm-hmm. upon Ralph. He's the only one left. Mm-hmm. They've actually already, by this time, I think, captured the twins and kind of wrestled them into submission. Yeah, they so, captured the twins. They... So Ralph is it. Mm-hmm. He runs off into the jungle. Mm-hmm. Ralph sneaks back to talk to the twins, and they tell him that Roger sharpened a stick at both ends. Last time they sharpened a stick at both ends, they skewered the sow. That the twins told Ralph they're going to come after you and hunt you down. Yeah, they're going to hunt and you. And Roger has sharpened a stick at both ends. So mm-hmm. they, the boys set the forest on fire. They chase Ralph all the way through the forest until he gets to the beach. He's on the beach. He's basically ready for them to surround him and kill him. And there's, there's a man there in a Navy uniform. There's a Navy cutter off the, um, off the shore. They've seen smoke from the forest fire. So it ends like that. They just, they get abruptly rescued. That must have been an awkward trip back to wherever they were going. Wow. With adults again. And you think, oh my gosh, like we killed people. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why every one of them burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And it says, Ralph wept for the end of innocence, mm-hmm. the darkness in men's hearts. Has anyone written, like, a follow-up story? Like, what happened to Jack? That would be interesting, actually. Roger is probably in um, solitary confinement at a uh, maximum security prison. Hopefully, yes. (laughs) By the time he's, like, 20. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so, because he's obviously a a psycho. Yeah. And Jack is uh, probably... He's at least in anger management. Well, I mean, maybe. He doesn't seem to have enough self-awareness for that at the point. At well, this someone, point, no, but... no, like like court-mandated anger management. Court-mandated mm-hmm. anger management. All yeah. right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that what William Golding would probably, like he, I think he rejects Rousseau's version of anthropology I about mean, the nature of man. If I was to make a, a guess based on the, the scant evidence that we have, I would say that you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that he might actually perhaps be um, in agreement with Thomas Hobbes, okay. who wrote in Leviathan that the natural state of mankind is, quote, a war of every man against every man, and is, quote, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I think, a more realistic 
mm-hmm. picture of of the fundamental nature of man. Yeah. Um, well, because because what 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 Thomas Hobbes would acknowledge is that mankind is flawed. A kinder way of saying that would be wounded and broken, mm-hmm. but definitely tends towards selfishness, easily corruptible. The hearts of men are easily, easily corrupted. corrupted. Yes. Yep. <laughs> men are weak, scattered, divided, leaderless. Um, so easily corruptible. Men and, are weak. And mankind extends, uh, they, they do have, and mankind does have an instinct for altruism, but it only extends instinctively to his immediate family, clan, or tribe. Men are not angels. James Madison? I don't know. Did he say that? I don't know. Anyway, so, so what Thomas Hobbes believes is that strong formal structures of control and governance are necessary to avoid descending into this ever-fracturing tribalism and eventually anarchy. But here's, here's the question. Once a government is in place, who governs the governors? Yeah, that's true. Once a system of control is in place, who controls the controllers? These systems, they eventually descend into something that could be considered oppressive. For example, everything from, from, from a Rousseauian point of view, where mankind is born free and we're just going to be altruistic, and mm-hmm. that's not the way it works. It will eventually descend into anarchy, tribalism, and perhaps some sort of communistic or socialistic system where mm-hmm. everyone is divided up into the, there's the elite and then there's the proles. Yep. Or if you approach it from the other direction, you get fascist dictatorships or some sort of other sort of top-down mm-hmm. structure. No matter which you go for, you get the same thing in the end. In its extreme form, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like a lot of people think of politics and culture mm-hmm. on a line. Yeah. Where from wherever you are, you can go to the left mm-hmm. or you can go to the right. And you think that, okay, what is the very, very extreme of like leftist control or government structures? Yeah. And then the what very... is the very right extreme? Yeah. But to, I think to think of those things as a line is not entirely accurate because I think what you end up with, with a very extreme of each form, left and right, you end up at the same place. So it's almost like a big circle. So you end up going in a circle till you meet in the middle and up at the middle, mm-hmm. at the, the top or the bottom of that circle, depending on which way you draw it, you have basically dictatorship, totalitarianism, and authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. From one direction, you get there through tribalism and anarchy. Mm-hmm. The other way... You just, I think, just jump right to authoritarianism. Yep, yeah. But in the middle is what we call ordered liberty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where you've got sort of rules and limitations liberate you from your selfish and disordered desires. The rules are all we've got. It's kind of like in the abolition of man. The abolition of man, yes! Yeah, where... We have done it. We have made our obligatory C.S. Lewis reference. So yeah, if you're basically going towards all of your all of your desires and everything you want you sort of cease to be a person and you become an animal basically going after the next thing that is going to satisfy your your gluttony greed lust whatever mm. you know you just become this animal who's a um, a slave to its appetites basically yeah my cat is a slave to his appetite. He That's wants right. food. That's right. <laughs> if you can hear a cat scratching away at the pantry door, <laughs> it's time Catter- to caterwauling for food. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So there's so this this book is so rich 
mm-hmm. with with symbolism. We didn't even touch on all the symbolism. I mean, no. the, the island, yeah, the boys themselves, the the fire and the, the beast. We talked about the beast, I guess. But yep. I mean, this book is just mm-hmm. it is it is it is a feast. Mm-hmm. It's so great. I love this book. Yeah, I think the beast is kind of an excuse for savage behavior. Well, it's like you said. I think they want there to be a beast. Yeah. If there's a threat, then no matter what you do, it's excusable. If there's something worse than you, you're not bad. Because mm-hmm. you're trying to get rid of something that's worse than you. So we had this, we talked a little bit about, you know, all the way into Rousseauian, you know, mm-hmm. uh, utopia, which ends up becoming the, the worst anarchic and tribalistic dystopia, you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And then on the, the right, the, 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 the totalitarian regimes. How about the middle way, where mankind is good, but broken? If you're uh, familiar with Judeo-Christian tradition, this is what we call the doctrine of original sin. Mm-hmm. People have a tendency to do bad things. So on the, um, the Rousseauian view, everything that's wrong with the world is external mm-hmm. to me. And I don't have to change. The world has to change. The other way around it is that like the Hobbesian view is, oh yeah, man is totally broken beyond hope. Therefore, we need these systems because man mm-hmm. is incapable of controlling his appetites, mm-hmm. desires, evil, wickedness must be controlled by these systems. Right. But because God forbid that someone has to control themselves. Like. Exactly. <laughs> See, but this is the thing. Because this middle way that we're talking about, everything yeah. wrong with the world comes from inside me. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton was famously asked this question. What's wrong with the world? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what his answer was? I am. Yes. Yep. So everything that's wrong with the world comes from inside me and by extension from inside every human being. So in order for the world to be better... I must become the best person I can be, and I must learn to govern myself mm-hmm. before I presume to govern others. Right. And so, yes, we need systems of control and governance, but there has to be limits to those systems of control and governance. They can't go over the top into authoritarianism. Even if you're the leader mm-hmm. and you're quote-unquote in charge and you have the authority to make major decisions, yeah, there's something higher than you to which you yourself are accountable. There's a number of ways you could call this God, you could call this the natural law, you could call this, C.S. Lewis calls this the Tao in Mm. the abolition of man. It's the standard, it's the objective standard of behavior Mm -hmm. and sort of inner law that must restrain every person. Otherwise Mm. we descend into either tribalistic anarchic chaos or into a totalitarian, fascistic, Orwellian nightmare. That was dark. (laughs) But there's hope though, and if you can accept it, then you can understand that letting people run wild is not a good idea. Hi, cat. Here comes the cat running wild. Yep, running mm-hmm. wild. Are you a slave to your appetites? So, I think we have... Are you a slave? This cat appetites. is a slave to his appetites. So, I think yeah. let's, uh, so let's sign off here, Hannah. It was a, that was a, an amazing discussion. I'm so glad that we had yeah. the opportunity to read Lord of the Flies again. Mm-hmm. Uh, to our readers, I highly recommend that you, uh, that you read it. If you get an edition that's got some interesting essays in the back, that, that, can, be, that can be fun. But we'll put links to all sorts of things in the, in the show notes for the podcast when we get those done. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we will... Uh, Don't come up here. <laughs> the cat! If you want the best seat in the house, move the cat. Yep. Take care, everybody. (laughs) Bye.